While we send and receive emails on a frequent day-to-day basis, many of us see this form of virtual communication as an admin tool, not a marketing tool. With a fear of coming across too salesy, especially for Australians, the art of sending quality, personalized marketing emails is often overlooked. Maybe you're overwhelmed with the emails you personally receive and don't want to clutter up your clients' inboxes. However, those who want to connect with you will want to hear from you. If they're already a customer or have expressed interest in your products and services in the past, then they're probably eager to learn more about you and be kept in the loop around promotions and updates. So in today's episode, I'm chatting with Jennifer Gale from Pink Hat Digital on the power of email marketing. We cover the basics and benefits of set and forget email automation so you can focus on the day-to-day running of your business while your emails make an impact on those receiving them. Without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Marketing and Me podcast. If you're eager to grow your health and wellness business via effective marketing methods while maintaining your own health and wellness, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Leanne Shelton, and I help business owners just like you build trustworthy connections with their ideal clients. And I do this through engaging conversational copywriting and strategic advice at Right Time Marketing. So feel free to book in a free 30-minute discovery call with me after listening to today's episode. The details are in the show notes. And today I'm joined by my guest, Jennifer Gale. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So yes, Jennifer and I connected earlier in the year through a mutual friend, business friend, um, and she recently shared her expertise on email automation in my six-week online course with City of Parramatta. And I loved everything she had to share, so I knew I had to get her on the podcast today. Uh, Now, before we do jump into the episode, Jennifer, I'll take a few moments to read out your bio. Uh, So as a multi-channel digital strategist, or strategist, strategist, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Jennifer creates actionable digital plans that work best for individual businesses and appeals to their customers. She's passionate about human psychology and understanding why people make purchase decisions. She's worked with hundreds of business owners to create strong marketing funnels that transform their business from good to great. And this includes everything from creating a membership platform to a high converting lead magnet with automated email nurture sequence or sequences. Um, and I'm still new to the email sequencing and automation world. I've done, created one so far. Woo! That's good. And, <laughs> and one. If, <laughs> one, yes, I'm hoping to do another one. Right. Um, time. Um, and yes, yeah, so if it confuses you, all that stuff, you just said the word automation and your eyes just glaze over, then you'll love what Jennifer has to say today, I'm sure. Um, so yes, Jen, can you please tell us a little bit more about you and your business journey? Yes, so I don't, didn't have the usual business journey of most people, so I didn't really start in business until I was in my late 50s. So I spent most of my life and career working in public health as an ex, at an executive level and at director level and on some international committees and national committees. So um, my background's really diverse, but the one thing that's kind of common through all of that journey Uh, is that I was always interested in things that beep. So I started out life in ICU, CCU, and you can't get a place more beepy than that. And um, so, and I was the first person to have a mobile phone in my hospital and the first person to have a Cassiopeia back in the day. And all the other people used to say, what's that, what's that? So I've always loved technology. And, of course, when I was young, there were only two career choices, nursing or teaching. So nursing paid you so that's why that's why I took that journey and when you have responsibilities you know you just keep on going 
um, that part of my life was really good to me. And I used to say, oh, you know, I used to discount that 35 years, but now I realise that one of the greatest things it taught me was communication skills and how to nurture people uh, along with a whole lot of other things that I rarely, rarely ever think about. But when someone asks a question, I think, well, why haven't you done that? And I remember, oh, that's because you did it then. So anyway, at the end of my 50s, or not quite at the end, um, my last contract was up and I thought, what am I going to do? And I had in that, when I turned 50, I decided to do a triathlon for the first time. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so my (laughs) husband got really, really sick and nearly died. And I thought to my, it just kind of gave me a big jolt, like all those things you've always wanted to do and why hadn't you done them? And I love being fit and healthy. Like my background's cardiology, cardiac rehab, really. Um, And I, so I thought I'm going to do a triathlon. And the journey for a 50-year-old woman to a triathlon is long and tortuous because there was no information. Like there's lots of information, but for young people and young women in particular, but even in for young women, there was very little information like what kind of bra do I wear when I go in the swim leg? Like really simple things like, you know, do I, do I wax or not wax? Um, very, very funny things. I did things like I went on a triathlon camp, um, got really, really fit, did 17 triathlons, mini ones, not big ones. Wow. Still, 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 wow. Working as a CEO and doing 17 triathlons. Yeah, so and then when that, that um, gig was up, I thought, what will I do? Well, I've had a passion around helping women get fit and understand what they need to get fit. People were always asking me about that. How can I do this? How do I start? And because I just amassed so much knowledge, I thought I'll do that. So I established a little company called Fit and 50 Plus, uh, which no longer has a website present because I took it down a month ago. Probably shouldn't have done that. But anyway, <laughs> I it, it really is what I cut my teeth on. I did know a lot about business. I knew a lot about negotiation and contracting and pricing and budgets and all of those things. But generally they had lots of noughts on them and like all big things. So I learned all about, I, I signed up to do the Dent Global Program, a 41-week entrepreneurship program. So I did that. And uh, that was really my journey to Fit and 50 was my journey. So I ended up with a following, average following of 35,000 a week, had a podcast, wrote a book, did all that stuff. Yeah, all and the, the things. <laughs> and all, and, and if I can say something, like people still listen, a thousand people a month still listen to my podcast, haven't put an episode up for 18 months. Wow, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, what it says to me is, there is even though there's lots of podcasts out there for women, there isn't anything like that. We talked about, we really talked about the nitty-gritty and, and the book that I wrote is actually called Why a Brazilian Might Be Better for Bike Riding. I'll send you a copy, Leanne. <laughs> oh, yes, that'd be awesome. Yes. No, no, I'll send you a copy. Because, <laughs> and I tell, like I things like how do you pick a water bottle? What's the best water bottle? Should I wear what? Should I wear exercise tights when I exercise? And so I actually beat Michelle Bridges to page one with that blog. That is I'm very so proud cool. of myself. <laughs> so then, your, I, what's your on. podcast uh, called? Fit and Fifty Plus. F I T apostrophe N Fifty Plus. So it's still there. Lots of fascinating uh, interviews with people that do tantric sex. Uh, from people that do tantric sex to the president of the Australian New Zealand Menopause Society, who's a New Zealander and a cracker, to the education coordinator for the Osteoporosis Society in America, to, you know, uh, the local bicycle network leader. So anything to do about what you might want to do. So what I thought women were interested in. So I learned my business marketing skills really, if you like. I honed them with that business. But of course, I didn't have a feeder system, which I now realise. So it was really hard to make money in that business. Firstly, I was new and I didn't understand niching properly, like most new business owners. And I also didn't understand that for that kind of business, you actually need a feeder. So you need a feeder structure in some way. So just going into online like that, there's very few people who make money. Can you explain just what a feeder? So a feeder. So if I'd been, if I'd had a gym, or if I'd had an an already established kind of paying mechanism, it would have been an add-on, and I would have been able to use it as a massive lead generation magnet. Um, I did make a little bit of money, but no, we had three years of losses. Um, But 
I, I didn't mind because my husband and I took the view that this was something I always wanted to do and I just knew that it would lead me somewhere. And I was having fun and we invested our capital. We sold our house. So we did like crazy things for like 50 people, sold our house, used our capital to build this and for me to learn. We lived in lots of different places, rented. Uh, so I used it, we've used it as a time of just doing the things we always wondered, like living in the middle of Brisbane, you know, like in the middle of the city on the river. Like that was an amazing experience, you know, if we got lonely we just hop up on the ferry and go up and down the river so it was an experience as well as me learning so I must have done every course known to man from, <laughs> uh, so I've done tribe as well so tribe membership so Stu McLaren who's a world leading guru on membership platforms um, I was their second beat in their second beta group um, and in those days they gave you the 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 digital technology to go with it which is how this business got started so you, it came with a platform and they taught you how to build a membership with all of the uh, marketing things which was amazing and I ended up doing that three times um, because after the first time I hadn't really you know learned a lot and then I did the next one and then I started in that process I then joined digital master chefs learned how to build sites and yeah that, that's really where my digital business started I still have Fit and 50 Plus and I'm in negotiation with a gym in Sydney to be the front face of that for them, uh, which is interesting after I shut it down the next day. <laughs> that's <laughs> the way things happen sometimes. That's the way things happen. But I also have to do some health consulting. So I mentor uh, people in health uh, around transitioning to another role or transitioning into business. Um, and uh, they're all very successful, way more successful than I am. <laughs> which is really good. <laughs> and I do pieces of work for people, so workforce planning, anything someone wants to do. I didn't do work in health for a long time because I was burnt out. Uh, working at an executive and CEO level is really hard and it's really hard on you personally and physically and I just didn't think I could. But I now teach applied clinical governance in for HEAL and um, I thought I shouldn't. Actually, someone said to me, what a waste, all that experience, all that expertise, how many people could you help? And I thought, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. And so I do, and I love that. I love working with uh, mostly the younger managers, leaders on their way up, and I love talking to them about my experiences because I've managed two disasters. Um, most people don't. and I, So, yeah, a lot of rich experience that was going to waste. So I've been doing more of that. But my digital business came out of my original business, and I just love how how people think, why they do what they do, uh, and how all those things fit together, how to make them work. I got I got really intrigued by technology. So you can go down lots of paths. So, yeah, so that's my business journey. Wow. And here I am, first year made a profit. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so when, when did you start your Pink Hat so, Digital? Uh, Pink Hat must be 18 months old. Okay. Yeah, so we found a winner then. <laughs> two years, just under two years, yeah. Because the first person that asked me was someone out of the tribe. Yeah. Can you help me with a landing page? She's now one of my customers and, yeah, so she has millions of hits on her website. She's pretty successful. But, yeah, it's um, been an interesting journey. So you don't have to stick with anything in your life. I love that. I mean, yeah, I'm going through a bit of a transition thing at the moment because I'm like my copywriter or a marketing trainer or a bit of both or yeah, whatever. It doesn't um, and, and I love that. Obviously, obviously, being a business owner, you've got that flexibility. You don't have yeah. to go through levels of management to get approvals. You're just like, wake up one day and go, I'm just going to change things yeah. and see what yeah. happens. And well, I always <laughs> laugh about the software because in health, you can imagine bureaucracy around yes, and you can exactly. never add anything like I was so frustrated you couldn't have a piece of software so I actually had my own Macintosh because I couldn't bear trying to make the laptop from the organization work for me so I had I bought my own and did my own thing but um one of the things was to, to get anything new and any system like it's about nine months if it's fast and so now anytime I want if anytime I want something I think oh I think I might just buy that you know I'll just go and buy a piece of software like a Superfly menu and I buy it and I install it and I smile at myself. <laughs> I think, oh, God, wouldn't that have been good? Wouldn't it have been great to have been able to do this 
then. So I do work with some people helping them with that intersect between technology and health as well because I know the language. I'm working with an app developer at the moment. So just helping that. It's just that people, I always call it a parallel world. It's really a parallel world. So, yeah, it's been fun and I have fun. That's the most important thing. That is, that is. And so, yeah, it makes it especially perfect that you're on today with a health and wellness business owner. Um, yes, <laughs> you didn't even know that. And Mark, I, didn't even, I didn't know that. <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, okay, so let's talk emails. Um, yeah. So why is email a vital part of an effective marketing strategy? So there's a few things in our world. Um, the first thing is that you own the content on your email. Um, whereas you don't own anything in Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and at one moment's notice their platform could be disrupted or they can just shut you down. And I had that experience with a client in the middle of a membership launch. We put, no. a, we put, a, we put a picture of a horse looking through a fence and their six-second algorithm said that was animal cruelty. So we were shut down and never was I so gleeful to have had an email list so it's it's something that you own that's the most important thing that list is like gold and they're your people they've chosen to connect with you they've made a conscious decision I want to listen to what you have to say and so then you get an opportunity to have a much more intimate customer conversation with them than you than you would talking to everybody all at once on Facebook. Yeah, it's very true because you can really, yeah, niche down. And yeah, talk I've, to them. I've actually just been doing, um, so I've got Active Campaign. That's the oh, software yes. I use for email marketing and it's my CRM, my customer relationship management tool. And I'm actually doing their digital study hall at the moment, which is over three weeks virtually at the moment. Yep. And I'm just, yeah, just the whole, they just are pushing the, segmentation is so important yes. tagging and and Dang. we'll go into a bit of that in a minute but it just I mean you mentioned it the other week in the course but just yeah. having them say um because if you just send one email communication and say hey it was great to see you on the webinar and that person didn't show didn't up go on the webinar. or they said um uh oh so, you know if you missed it it's like well I was there what do you mean you don't know like it's it's just that little that psychology it was meant to do before yeah. It can make the world a difference. World of difference. It's, it's really absolutely, interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got some good tips for that. But, yeah, that, that's why it's important. It's yours. You own it. And it's like a, it's like having a customer standing in front of you. Yes. Well, that, that's it. And, Ready and to I'm, buy. Exactly. And these days, you know, especially if you don't have a physical store, this is the way you have yes. those conversations absolutely. before the sales made. Uh, and so what mistakes do business owners typically make when it comes to sending client emails? The most biggest mistake they make is not sending them. <laughs> so I, I would say 75 to 85% of the people that come to me come to me with a list having rarely, if ever, sent a regular email communication. And what's the reason for that? What, what reasons they're they scared. They're just scared. Uh, they don't know what to say. Uh, they don't know how to do it. And they don't want to look stupid. So it's usually just fear. So, you know, I do a lot of coaching. <laughs> um, just And it, they just don't do it. They just don't do it. That's the I get mistake. that. Like the send button is bloody scary. Like I've sent heaps <laughs> of emails and I oh, know yes. I'm still, actually I'm not so bad these days, but I still remember the times I'm like, big breath, all right, let's I press send do. and close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, you still do. So it's, um, I think, yeah, it's a bit of that confidence thing as well. And I think a lot of people as well think, Oh, I get annoyed when I get emails. Yeah, so I don't want to annoy people. Bias. Yeah, there's a lot of cultural bias in Australia as well. So in the States, they don't care how many they send. And I do work with a lot of American businesses. They don't care how many emails they send. They think people have signed up and they want to know about me. Whereas in Australia, as business owners, we make the assumption our customers don't want to be bothered. And that's actually not true because... Um, but most of us, we don't have to open it. And there are a lot of lurkers out there in the world. You know, like I'm a big lurker. I, I get people's emails just, I mean, I sign up for things just to see how people are doing it. Uh, <laughs> just research. <laughs> just research. But, um, you know, I'll be on someone's list 
for a year and not look and then think, oh, that, that looks good and I'll have a look and then I might buy something. So, you know, you can business owners themselves are their own worst enemy in relation to email marketing. Just send it. If you want to talk to someone, if they were standing in front of you, would you say that? Would you then call them later and say this? It's the same journey. It's just that we put our own selves in the picture and we shouldn't because we're not our customers. I love that. And actually just the other day I thought, look, I've got a list of about 100 people tagged as potential copywriting clients, right? And I thought, I'm just going to send an email and just say, hey, it's happy new financial year. It's been a while since we've connected. Um, If you're interested, here's my, you know, Calendly link to book discovery call, right? And I figured, what the hell? I've had one person randomly book that discovery call. It was like over a year since she went to one of my things or spoke to me. And um, two others have replied going, um, yes, oh, I'm going to get back to you. Sorry, things have been crazy, but I want to get back to you on that. It it, it took me. And you would have thought, oh, they haven't done anything. They don't want me. It's not true. (laughs) It's just not true. We all know how busy we are. We forget things and things come to the top of the pile and then go to the bottom of the pile. And like life's just a big river, really. Lots of twists and turns and and you should never assume. If they don't want you, they'll just unsubscribe and that's the best thing because they're not your people. That's right, and you don't want them clogging don't want to up waste your, your list. energy on them. <laughs> well, that's it, and and that was one of the things they, they talked about in the um the digital hall yesterday was um the what do I say do putting the inactive things so putting the engagement tagging on and basically at a certain period just make them inactive because you don't and then you unsubscribe them because. You don't want them. It affects your um, the analytics, the, the everything. You know, you've got to really be on top of all of that stuff and have a look. Um, I recently combined five MailChimp accounts into one for a client and um, what a mess. But in the end, we had to go through each individual contact in some of those lists to see how long it was since they'd engaged because she hadn't actually ever sent anything. Ah. So we just deleted a whole lot of things. I mean, these days you pay as well for practically everything. There used to be a lot of free things. A lot of free things are not free anymore. But also it's, you know, why have all that stuff? I did the same thing the other day, deleted 1,500 people, archived 1,500 people of someone's list that they were paying for because they just unsubscribed. But if you're unsubscribed, you're still paying for them. Yes, well, that's it. If you go over the limit. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's... It's interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, do you just want to explain? So MailChimp is what you... MailChimp is what I work in mostly. I can work in the others. I just don't... I mean, when we build membership sites, my partner and I, we um, we use whatever someone has. And most often than not, these people have got a business. So Active Campaign Convert Kit, we're using Feed Blitz at the moment for someone, which is a nightmare. Stay away from Feed Blitz. Okay. Um, <laughs> The thing, the, the thing is that uh, marketing should be easy for a small business owner and so you're far better off using a product off the shelf than you are using a bespoke one because it's not going to interact with anything else and that's the problem. We need them to interact. So I use MailChimp um, because I started out using MailChimp and learned it really well but it's also their free plan is still better than anybody else's. And up to 10000 I think they're still cheaper. They were four months ago when I checked. They're still cheaper. Um, most people say, oh, it's too hard to use. But what happens is you cut your teeth on MailChimp, understand the language, move on to something else and already understand the language. So the second platform is always easier than the first one. But it can do everything that ActiveCampaign could do. It can do everything that, um, you know, sort of HubSpot and all of those do. It's just a matter of people rarely use the capacity that it has. And for e-commerce people, like connecting to your e-commerce store is free. Your abandoned cart shopping stuff is free. And, you know, that's and the analytics it gives you for free is really yeah, quite amazing. That's brilliant because, yeah, if, if the abandoned cart, you can then get an email sent to them, hey, did you forget yeah. to pay or is there any issues and here's the contact yeah. us or whatever. And then and- actually all put in, in the email automatically what they were looking at. So you don't even have to think. It just automatically does it for nothing. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> it could have just been a matter of, um, oh, I'm on the couch, I have to get my credit card, it's over there. Yes, that's <laughs> and right. You accidentally that's close right. it and you actually did still want to buy it. But... Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So that, that's why I like MailChimp because it's got a really good free platform 
and I know how to use it. So, you yeah. know, most people are very wary of automated processes and so um, being able to help people do that is really good fun. Yeah, so, so what is email automation and what are the benefits? Okay, so email automation is, uh, I like to think of it as talking to your clients while you're asleep or you're busy. So, you know, when you have a list of the, list of clients, you get all these cards in the olden days, you get all these cards, you think, I must ring that person up. Well, this is like a replacement for I must ring that person up. You know, you automatically set it around parameters to communicate with someone about what it is they wanted to talk to you about. And it happens automatically. Once you write it, it's set and forget, although you should go back and check your analytics. But, um, you know, really that's it, it's about talking to your customers, um, nurturing them, keeping them you in mind with them, but doing it automatically. Once you set up your sequences, that's it. It's like a conversation that just happens. I love that. And that's just, yeah, happening in the background with so many yeah. people at once and you don't need to be on the yeah. phone to a million people. <laughs> yeah, you know, fit them into your day. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you get it, I mean, some of it, the businesses that Lucy and I work with, they've got like 1.2 million people on their email list, you know. So, you know, segmenting, tagging and emailing all of those people, like you would never be able to bring them up. a massive massive team of hundreds of people (laughs) you would would. I mean they only have very small teams usually themselves and one or two other people VA or uh, some and someone to do their tech stuff but yeah it's you can communicate with a few or a lot in the same way very cool and could you provide just some examples of the type of content to include in email automation okay so um it depends on the product so i always say it depends on the the cost of the product that you're selling the amount of time effort and the number of emails that you should put into it it doesn't mean that you shouldn't put effort into the two or three it just means that for one client that i worked with we had a twenty thousand dollar product so we did an 11 email sequence it had an ebook and a checklist and at the end of it there was an invitation to action Um, and we sold quite a few of those. So, you know, my little fee was nothing in comparison to the six or seven $20,000 products they sold. So, but if you've got a little tiny product, it's still worth because that um, nurture sequence, you know, you talk, I don't know if you talk about funnels or mountains, but whatever it is, I mean, your end point should be your most expensive product. And if they buy your cheaper one, then that nurture sequence should contain the thank yous, um, you know, I call it a connect, nurture, sell, really. That's the kind of process that you use. And depending on how expensive it is, depends on where the sell is, where the nurture is, how much connection you do. Uh, and what else you might give away. Yes, I have a, I have my own little, I've done lots of courses, I have my own little thing that I work with as a standard, but I modify it depending on what the business sells or what they do. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I've signed up to things as well. And I, I see the formula of the, um, yeah. hey, here's my journey. And it's talking about their journey in one. Oh, so it's kind of a connection stuff. thing. <laughs> uh, when yeah, I get annoyed with the ones I open up and it's really, 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 really yeah. long. And I'm like, I don't have time to read through all that. And no. then you go scroll down like, oh, yeah, it's trying to sell me something. So I'm out yeah. of it. Um, yes. I like the short and snappy one. Short, short, <laughs> you know, short uh, with, the, uh, you know, content should be snackable and usable is what I say. Snackable and usable. So never long emails. I rarely go off the page in MailChimp, only for one newsletter because uh, and actually I think 50 was longer because I used to have a section that had, I used to do medical research. So I used to read the literature around the world and then interpret what was important for women. So I'd have a bit about that then I'd have my podcast and then I'd have a bit about the blog that I did for the week. So it was sometimes a little bit longer. But um, it depends on the reason you're writing the sequence as well so are you writing it to sell something are you writing it to say thank you are you writing it just to keep in touch so it's the goal that's really important to determine first what's the reason for it and then that determines the sequences that you do yeah so if it's just like a 500 product it would be just five emails yes. kind of thing five to seven i'd do five, five to seven, seven. Okay. depending on what the product is and maybe uh, in the if i was going to do seven i'd give them an extra download a free something along that path um 
or even a discount code. But yeah, five hundred dollars is probably in this climate probably worth five to seven, I'd say. Yeah, cool. And what are your thoughts on having graphics in an email or plain text? So, so you know, there's lots of this stuff around uh, mail systems don't let you in, and all of this stuff. We don't have mail systems smart enough to know what spam and what isn't. How on earth? Are they going, people ascribe a lot of behaviour to systems that have no AI around that. <laughs> so um, I use graphics in some things a lot, depends on the product. So for a place that I worked with that did beautiful art, of course it was beautiful. You could not send, you can't because that's not the product they're selling. But, you know, people like to see nice things. Most people have on their phone do not load images unless I ask. So, you know, that's a setting in my phone and in many other people's and you click load images and it all comes up yes, if you want to see them. It happens to me automatically. I didn't know yes. I had click something. <laughs> yes, just at the top, yes. But yeah. so I still use them because I still think it's a representation of your business yeah, and depending on the business that you're in, um, the graphics may well be very important. Um, so a real estate people that I do a newsletter with, we put lovely pictures of buildings in there because we're trying to entice people to buy and sell. And without a graphic, it's a bit hard. Yeah, yeah, you need, yeah. And people, if they want to, they will open them and they come open anyway in your um, in your, in your laptop and PC. Most people's will open. So I, I'm, I'm not a, an avid let's not put graphics in. Actually, some of the people that I subscribe to that never put them in, I think, you should just occasionally put a cartoon in there. Maybe <laughs> just a banner, just something. Just, just something because it's too boring. Yeah. For me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I like I like a personality with the Yeah, the personality. And even if it's just a line drawing or whatever, it's just really, I just think, think about your brand, think about your customers, you know, what do you want to achieve out of this particular piece of communication? What does it say about you? Yeah, exactly. And so what are your tips for setting up someone's first automation? Okay, so the first one is to do it. (laughs) Actually do the first one. And the first one you should do is welcome to my whatever it is they've subscribed to. So most people have a subscription button on their site or whatever it is. So there should be an automation that says welcome and thanks for joining whatever that might be. Um, That would be the first one I would do. if you, if you get a little bit more confident, then you should add a couple more to that. So, uh, you know, firstly, welcome. Second one, a little bit about my business or what I sell or what the product is that you looked at, depending on what, what uh, data you've got. And the third one is a call to action. Like I always put a call to action in each of them. That's really important. Um, even if it's just have a look at this article on my website, um, always have a call to action. In, but the first one you should do is welcome and then just continue from there. If you've got an e-commerce shop, abandoned cart, increases your profit by 33%, your sales by 33%. It's well known for doing that. So um, you're just leaving money on the table if you don't have one. There you go. And can you just um, go through the difference of like lists, tags, segmentation, yeah. those things? So we all use different language around this, um, but basically Uh, You have a list or an audience. MailChimp talks about audiences. And that's really just the people that you have who you have email addresses for. Um, Always try and get their first names. I was worked with someone the other day and there weren't any first names because when you want to sell nurturing, send it nurturing emails, there's nothing nicer than being able to include their first name rather than, hey, you know, whatever it is at Hotmail, you know, like that's a bit rote. (laughs) Delete. From my yes, opinion. I know. Uh, yeah, so a list or an audience is, is the list of people that you've got that signed up. Um, segmentation, there's segmentation groups and tagging. They all really do the same things. What they do is they ascribe customers to a group, really, even tags. They ascribe customers to a group that represents the behaviour they exhibited either to get into your list or um, when they purchased something from you. So. Um, let me just think about how we might explain this. So, however, you can have too many tags, groups and lists. So I've worked with a, 
someone recently with dogs and we had like, I don't know, 200 tags, big dogs, little dogs, you know, greyhounds, dashings. And I just said, are you ever going to send an email to just dashing owners? No. Well, why are you doing that? Like that's, it's hard to, because what happens is the more data you put in, the more you have to look at and the more overwhelming it feels to actually, how am I going to talk to that list? So it's a way, tag, audience and lists are like just lists, what they are. Um, Groups and segments, so groups might be something that someone picks themselves to go in. So, you know, sometimes on some sign-up forms it says, are you this or are you this? That that might be a way of the customer self-grouping themselves and you can do that in MailChimp. Segmentation is really the same thing but you usually the business owner does it. I want to talk to all people who are over 50. That would be a segment. And a tag is something that describes their behaviour. So uh, let me think what tags did I put in the other day. Um, shop client or online client or uh, what else do we use? You know, download. Don't use generic titles for the tags because you'll forget what they were. (laughs) Someone the other day had diet PDF. I said, what are you going to do when you've got 10 diets that you're sending out? Oh, so you need to make, you know, this is, uh, you know, the sugar-free diet PDF one or whatever it is because you've got to assume that your business is going to grow because if you don't assume it's going to grow, it never will. So think about the long term when you're doing the beginning things. Yeah, is there a, um, <clears throat> a limit to how many words you can fit characters fit into a tag? It's a good question. I never, I haven't ever come to the limit, but I never do very long ones. Yeah, kind of so too long. <laughs> I'll have a look, but yeah, because if you do it too long, you're going to have to open up the column when you're looking at the list, and you won't be able to see it. So just make it short and pertinent is probably the best thing to do. You know, dog. Horse, cat. Yeah. And then all the dog products, they, you can send them emails for like yes. the dog products, yep. the cat products. and Yes. yes. Yeah. Or, or whatever, you know, if you have a product that is for small dogs, then do small dogs. But if you don't, why are you making the differentiation? Is it going to help you talk to that person? Because it's all about what you write in that email. You know, you write a different email to the dog owner than you do to the horse owner. Although they will have quite a bit in common, I can Because <laughs> <laughs> the personalisation of emails is really important for success and conversion, yes, isn't it? Absolutely. And I, my measure of success is how many people actually reply to that email and say, oh, it's so lovely that you got in touch with me. So in that 11 sequence, we had greater than 35 people respond and say, oh, I'm so glad you talked to me about this. It's lovely to hear from you, as if we had sent them an individual email. Yeah, I had some people respond to the one I did recently yes. and, and they were like that, oh, yeah, oh, thank, I will get back to you, I'm sorry. And I'm like, yep. I felt like a bit of a fraud going, no, I actually don't. sent to 100 people. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter because you thought about what you were saying. And yeah. so that, that is about, that's the personalisation of it. People understand that. It comes across in your writing that, that, that you know, and we all know, it, you know, at one level that they probably sent it to 3,000 people but it's talking to you. So that, for me, that's a great measure of success. Um, probably more than open rates, actually. I do, yeah, I do fuss about that. open rates. And, and each industry has different open rates. So it's really good to get some perspective on what's happening across your industry um, because they all have very different ones. Yes. And I have found more, a link. I saw a link recently. I have to find it again. I shared it in my course. Um, yeah, all the different yeah, open rates. Yeah, and and the highest is like 40% or 30%. Yes. And so it just kind of puts things in perspective. I think mine, my industry is 32% or something. Yes, yeah, so that means you've got an engaged audience. Yeah, you've actually got an engaged audience. It's actually, yeah. So people are going, why is it? It should be more like 80% or no, 90%. Like, I've no. never seen an 80%. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. One of those emails, so the 11 sequence was 80%, but across the board for that it was 65% open. So really good niched ones, well thought out, you know, good strategy behind it, what's the goal, what's the process, we'll get really high open rates. But, you know, um, I work with someone else, the real estate people, the average open rate for them is 58% um, because it's a very niche audience. Those people have signed in to hear a certain thing and we give them what it is they want to hear. So they want to open it. So it's about, 
you, you know, personalization and uh, success go together. Niching personalization equals success. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Because I, I didn't used to. I used to go, oh, here's my bulk newsletter. Just send yeah. it to everyone. And that was basically it. And, and now sometimes like, that's okay. Like sometimes that's okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, most often, most successful business owners will have the general, but then they'll have the niche ones. Yeah. And actually, I just um, learned as well in the course, I'm not sure if MailChimp does it, the conditional fields. Can you do yes. that, MailChimp? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, do you, you want to talk a bit about that? What does so that's mean? really about uh, if this, then that. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good analogy that makes it simple. So if this person did this and clicked in this link, then you can do this. Or if this person didn't open it, then um, do this particular thing. So it's about covering off all the bases. That that makes sense? Yeah. I think the example they gave yesterday was something to do with like cables or something. And it was like you do two little things, one above each other, and one text will say... Um, you uh, oh, yes. bought this, and the other one says you bought this, and then it just kind of, uh, yeah, adjusts yeah, so accordingly. Gives, depending, yeah. So, so an abandoned cart does that, mm. uh, and a proper abandoned cart email will show the customer what they put, what they had in their cart. You know, oh, you left this in there. You know, you're going to come back. The one I just did was with chocolate products. Why would you uh, abandon a chocolate cart? (laughs) Maybe they went back to get more. (laughs) Oh, they might have got busy, you see, that's which is what we said. But don't worry, we've still got some more things baking in the oven and yours is waiting for you. (laughs) Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, it's all very interesting. And the um, so workflow, that's another buzzword. What's workflow? So workflow is just uh, the, the automation skeleton, if you like. When are you going to send it? So what are you going to send when? So a workflow could be uh, immediately send the welcome, one day later send this email, the next day later send this email, If and if you want to put conditional, and if they do this, wait two days and then send this one. So workflow is just so what I used to do and I still sometimes do is I actually draw them. So I have a big sketchbook and I, you know, draw the process out there's lots of visual things technologically you can use but I just find that process as a business owner looking and writing just really helps me understand and I use pencils so I can rub it out yeah I was gonna say I I use the um what's it called pens the pilot the friction ones the erase the pens oh I didn't know that yeah it's removed by friction and I originally found out about through a, a journal that I was using and then I'm like oh so you can write it and then you rub it out oh I like that well yeah. I've been using pencil for a long time old school pencil that, that's yeah also and that. little arrows <laughs> so you know they often they're very big in the end you can end up with like 30 emails you know this is the normal process but if they do this they do that if they do this they do that I, I, may, I do quizzes for people too and surveys so I actually really like that if you do this, do this. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, I, I did work experience at uh, it was Girl Power magazine oh, um, wow. back when I was at uni, and yeah, I got to do some of the quizzes like that. Oh, it was yeah, so much fun. fun. <laughs> quizzes are fun. One of the best lead generation um, tools that you have as a small business, probably the best, I think, performing at the moment. Ah. So I can get six hundred emails off a quiz about horses. Very cool. So what's the quiz what platform do you build? So the I use different ones. For that, I use Thrive Thrive Quizzes and it will plug in to any WordPress. So I use Thrive Quizzes because like, you can make it look lovely and there's lots of options for what you can do. It's got internal logic. But Microsoft Forms works just as well. If you've got um, for, uh, Microsoft 365, which most people have, uh, just forms.office, I think, uh, I just actually did a survey for a health service using forms. Uh, and the thing about that is you can actually generate a QR code, you can embed the code into your website, or you can just send a link. And it comes mm-hmm. out already so when people answer it, you can, you can have a start and a stop time, and it comes out already analysed. So it comes out with the pie charts. That's very cool. And like you, can pick, you can pick each, so you know about like it scales and all. You can pick what kind of question for each one can be different. So free text. builds your different lists or different yes. tags. And- yes, yes. So you can do all. So if you got really smart, you could use Microsoft Forms, use Zapier and get whenever someone fills in a field in one way in Microsoft Forms, Zapier could put that person 
into a separate list or tag it. That's so cool. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah, whole other, yeah, thing you go down. Yeah. Um, also, um, that's really cool. Um, thank you so much for that stuff on email automation. That's really insightful. That's right. I did forget to mention SurveyMonkey, which a lot of people use. I, I don't use SurveyMonkey much anymore. I have in the past. I find it, yes, a, bit, used it, I find it a bit hard. But I, uh, now I've found Microsoft Forms and I always use Thrive Quizzes, so. I've been yeah. using Google Forms in the last. Oh yes, I've used them too. Yeah, I actually think Microsoft Forms is easier to use than Google Forms. Hmm. That's what I thought when I used it. So we'll see. Oh, to- but there's lots of things out there. You only need six to eight questions if it's a lead gen. Um, that's enough, hmm. and give someone something at the end of it. Yes, oh, I love that. And so, Jen, I always ask my guests this: How do you manage your health and wellness? You mentioned a little bit oh. about your active life before. But- <laughs> In COVID times, that's an interesting question. I got sick at the beginning of COVID. Oh, no. I got very sick and ended up in hospital. So I wasn't managing my health and wellness very well at all. Um, I really love to exercise hard. I am finding it a massive struggle during this time. I don't think I'm alone. Um, I'm trying. My mantra at the moment is just to move more every day. So I'm someone who for a long time got up at half past five, quarter to six and did exercise like we've been known to get up at half past five and run in the snow wow <laughs> and we can't even get out of bed and go for a walk at the moment before seven o'clock so I think it's something to do with what's happening in society um, more than anything else but I love to walk run cycle swim do my weights I've got a little gym in one part of my garage so one side's mine and it's got a a little gym set up so cool. I've got an exercise bike and a mat and step and a weights section and and I love doing that and sometimes that I use that as my meditative space so the other thing I have done this through this COVID is do some more meditation but I'm actually generally pretty bad at it because you have to sit still but I someone invited <laughs> me to a 21 days of abundance program on yes I did that recently yeah and it's real I really liked it and I missed it when it finished so I've been looking I don't I don't want to spend longer than 20 minutes this is the issue I I use insight timer insight Uh, timer app that's my favorite and um I I usually do 10 minute ones in that yeah so I use I've used Budify a lot through my life that's quite a good one because you can you can do um you can do they've got all different reasons for doing it so traveling on the bus going to sleep waking up stressed anxiety I actually quite like that one I find if I do that even 20 minutes at the beginning of my day I'm much more uh, effective in the day yeah Yeah, and you know really trying hard to really watch what I eat and drink because I was sick I wasn't allowed to drink so that made that easy didn't I (laughs) lockdown you're thinking watching what you do becoming really more self-aware yes and my wish is to do the Port Arlington triathlon but I don't think I'm going to be fit and it takes really a year to get back into that level it's a really high level of fitness it's not uh in individually fitting one distance it's actually discipline it's actually a total fitness you feel so good it's just the best feeling so yes I'm trying hard to move more each day. <laughs> You've got this. You can do it. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. Yes. So try. I did. Uh, I did belong to a walking group. I still do. And we did uh, 2018 step kilometers in a year. That's it. So we did the. We used a step counter. 2018 steps. It must be no 20,000. In a year, 20, 2,000 kilometres it was, 2018 in 2018. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, so every, you know, every week we dialled in what we'd done. That was really good. That was very motivating actually to try and get that in one year, which I did, which was really good. Yeah, sometimes you need that, that kind yeah. of that push <laughs> to do it. You do, yeah, you do, yeah. yeah. If I had a buddy it would probably be easier, but you're not allowed to have buddies now anyway. No, unless one person <laughs> runs 1.5 metres in front of you. Or yeah, well, I, don't, or I, well, I don't know any people. <laughs> I don't know any people around where I live because so, we moved here a year or so ago. But that's all right. Uh, it's okay. I'll get I have to go knock on some doors go, will you, <laughs> will you walk for a me? ride with me? So going for a ride. That's what I really miss. Oh, love it. Um, and how can people connect with you? Okay, so they can go to my website, which is pinkhatdigital.com. 
And don't go there expecting an email nurture sequence because there isn't one. Ironically. (laughs) It's so funny. And I never realised I hadn't put one on there until someone pointed it out a few weeks ago. I went there to have a look and there's not. I said, no, there could be a reason for that. (laughs) But there is a contact form and I am available on phone um, and on Messenger. I've got a Messenger bot, I think, still active on my page or on my Facebook. I've got a Facebook account too. Um, Yeah. All those contacts. And I'm happy to chat, you know, happy to chat for a little while, uh, you know, to help you sort it out, half an hour. Yep. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, um, Thanks. It's always very, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm just entering this world because before I just sent newsletters and now I'm like, yeah. no, I want to try and get these things set up and then I don't have to think about it. Um, when I did set up my first automation, I was like asking my, it was with my, fa- my the course Facebook group and I'm like, did everyone get the email? And then they're like, yes, I got it, I got it. And then I'm like, all right, cool. And then I could see it moving down the, 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 yes, the flow. Yeah. Like, I think it's working. And someone replied to the last one in sequence. So I'm like, yes, I know it's made it to the end. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, there's not much. If you want to grow your business, you really do have to understand automation and get yeah. some in place. Otherwise, you're going to be hampered. Love it. All right. Well, if you're not on email automation, then get onto it and yes. it's the person to help you. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much, Jen. And thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you to you, dear listener, for tuning in. You can find show notes to the episode at marketingandme.com.au. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave me a rating and review by via your podcast app or at ratethispodcast.com slash marketingandme. Makes it a lot easier. If you're interested in connecting with me, feel free to reach out via LinkedIn. Just search for Leanne Shelton. You can also join the Marketing and Me podcast Facebook group. And if you want to learn more about generating more leads or outsourcing your copywriting to me, head to my website, righttimemarketing.com.au and book in a free 30-minute discovery call. Until next time, I wish you good health and good wealth.